they, they, they keep saying things like, I, when I see this, I want to be on the right side of history. We need to be on the right side of history. I, I swear that I hear one more white person tell me they want to be on the right side of history. I'm going to like lose my mind, right? How about when it's not sexy? How about even though when it's not the thing going on to say, hey, you know what? I, 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 would, I would prefer to be on the wrong side of what's normal. I prefer to be seen as weird, as obtuse, as crazy um, during this time, right? But everybody just wants to be on the right side of history. So I don't know. But, but, but white people, let, 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 me, let me be more specific. Western Europeans, um, especially historically, in this country, they've always cut and paste, haven't they? That's all they've done, right? Oh, I mean, I that's all they've done. Yeah, that's a that's a high that's a high level of behavior methodology when you start talking about Western Europeans. You get cut and paste. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's what we see in America. I mean, America is definitely a, a, a cut and paste. I mean, most even if you can go to the art forms that are truly American, I mean, they're mostly uh, built by uh, black and brown bodies being copied. Um, by others, and then it's called American family. Yeah, Picasso went to Africa and then he went to the Southwest. Right. <laughs> right. right. Then, he, then, he, then he started structuring and, and, and imaging and doing stuff. And I mean, so we see that happening all the time. Is this, do you see this as a uh, behavior problematic for white folks when it comes to allyship, trying to develop relationships with uh, other cultures. I mean, this is not, this is this is not going to go away um, and, and, and get fixed right away. This is something that's deeply embedded in the DNA. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll I'll kind of set this imagery out there. There's an imagery that I I encountered almost I guess close to twelve years ago. Um, in, in a story, a, a slightly white savior-based story, but I got to meet the guy named, his name is Denver, and, and it's, it's in the book called Same Kind of Different as Me, but it's this story of this black man and this white millionaire art dealer that was, you know, ended up trying to save him, and black guy ended up saving his marriage and all this other stuff, you know, kind of some of that mystical, magical Negro stuff, but, you know, they are Fort Worth, but I, I got to meet the, the two people. But, you know, Denver said something like, in, you know, in, in the book and in our conversations, he said, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't want any type of catch and release friends. You know, he says, you know, in my experience, you know, white people do this strange thing when they go fishing. He says they do this thing called catch and release. Like, it's a sport for them, right? It's something that they do as a pastime. It's, it's a sport. And he says, you know, they'll, they'll go and they'll catch a fish and then they'll cut it off and, you know, release it back into the water, right? And, you know, it's just, it's just sport. Um, it's not out of necessity. It's not out of uh, what to do. It's just something that they do for a pastime, right? And so one of the things he says in the book, he says, I don't, I don't want any catch and release friends, right? Like, that's not what I'm about. I'm not about catching and being in relationships for just a short period of time. Then you let something go when you don't want to be around it anymore or anything of that nature. I think that that is indicative of the pathology of, uh, of what we see as, is oftentimes, and in a lot of ways, has been the sort of white allyship inside of the American context. It's been a catch and release entity, right? Like, what's hot right now? Let me jump to that, then let me jump to this other thing, and then let me jump to this other thing because that's hot, and then it just ends up being a, a catch and release cycle. And so, um, it begs questions on, like, okay, 
who who has the staying power to be consistent in the world? Who has the staying power to say, "Nope, I'm talking about this, and this is this is this is my 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 issue, my thing." But I'm I'm sticking with I'm allying myself with um with this group or with this need in my community, and I'm seeing this thing through. I'm not jumping from one thing to the next thing to the other thing. So that jumping itself is um, could be denoted as a, a pathology within itself. You know, one way I, I put it was is that you know uh, if have a problem trying to ex- escape their obsession with privilege and their uh, obsession with scarcity. They they assume that they can control outcomes and escape that pathology, but they can't. I mean, you know, they have to continue to do what they do, you know, because of that privilege, because of that obsession with privilege, that obsession with scarcity. And so, really, they're incapable of doing what you asked them to do, which is not to be of catch and release from it. Or it's very difficult for them to do it. And, and, and I think, yeah, I think whiteness puts that in its place, right? Whiteness is what provides that privilege, right? You're not somebody asked me like Byron, man, you hard on white people. I said not really. I said I'm hard on white myths, right? Like I mean, white people, I mean they're just a you know, a byproduct of, of, of the construct of whiteness of 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 this privileged class, of this thing built by white supremacy, right? Like this this construct. Um and I said they asked me, how do you call out the difference? I said, Well, everybody that we call white now wasn't always white. You know, <laughs> right? We had some different, we had some different names and some different things that people would call um, Greeks and, and Italians and and and, and, and Irish, Irish, like we go down the, the lineage, right? Like so, um, but you know, folks weren't always white, you know, and so when they got accepted into whiteness, um, we saw their behaviors, even as a group of people, as a population of people, shift and change. And, and lose its connectivity um, to a stronger moral bent and lean, right? Um, even towards folks in their community. So I, I think we, I'm not talking about white people, I'm talking about whiteness, right? Which has a fluidity inside of anybody that can be massed and brought into the construction of uh, being seen as uh, in, uh, superior. Um, and somebody else being inferior, and so yeah, that privilege yeah is baked into that. I think it's spot on. That privilege is baked into that. I think what's baked into that is, what, like you said the other day, the uh, the construct of scarcity is baked into that. Um, and so now we have a, a, a things that are baked into the loaf, and we're saying, okay, we need to go through and pick out all of these bad behaviors, all these pathologies that are in the loaf. Uh, that's been baked in, um, that uh, we gotta go pick all those bad things out, but we still gotta maintain the central nature of the loaf, and we gotta make sure the loaf stays uh, healthy and and keep and keep it together as much as possible. I'm like, well, I don't know how. You t- you tell me how you gonna take all the grain out of whole grain bread? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that that's the issue. I mean, if, as we we talk about these kinds of concerns, it, that's kind of exactly, I think you're spot on, that's exactly what we're seeing uh, unfold in this drama that we see dealing with COVID-19 as well as the recent killings 
of historical you know murders that we see by law enforcement and you know um the kind of conversations that are being are the pushback to the defunding of the police for example has to do with well we can't lose law and order we can't lose our privilege of being able to move fluidly in society in a way in which we feel safe and so it's it's not reasonable for us to say that we need to put the kind of pressure that we're putting on law enforcement agencies. But we see, we've been seeing this for a while in American culture, American society. I mean, this is not something new. I mean, we, since the, the country began, we've been formulating this white Anglo-Saxon Protestant core ethic that allows people to make decisions for other people without their input. Mm-hmm. And so that's a that's a pathology that's been around for a while. How do we how do we how do we help African American people in particular to see that and to see that as problematic, as opposed to mimicking that kind of behavior? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I think we have to hold a true mirror up to um, what what that what that functionality that those pathologies actually are. Right, like we have to hold the mirror up and look into the mirror with our white brothers and sisters. Right, so I, I, I think one of the things that we've done is like we'll be on the backside holding the mirror, and and and, and sometimes our, our white brothers and sisters will stand in the mirror admiring um, the pathology, saying, "Look at this! Whoa, this is beautiful! I love it! Thank you for holding the mirror, so I can see myself." And, and they're like, this is great. Like, I'm fine. I, I like it, right? And so, if you're on the back side of the mirror, you don't see how sick um, that picture, that reflection actually is. You don't see uh, the pathology that's really at play. You don't see um, what has been done to the face and to the beauty of what could have been a healthy America. You don't see that sickness if you're on the back side of the mirror. And so, I think we have to hold it up and look into the mirror with them. And, and, and for some of us, the reason we have to look in there with them is so we can point some things out. For others, we have to look into there and say, whoa, 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 what are you admiring? Like, what, what are you admiring? Like, that's not, like, I don't see, like, why are you so excited? And the reason I say that is because when we do that, um, I think uh, we'll stop admiring the, the, the things that aren't healthy inside of, of, of that reflection. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to be honest and clear, as clear as a mirror um, with people about what that reflection is. And that honesty we have to have for ourselves so we can, so for, for folks in the black community, we have to quit longing for um, that sickness, right? We have to quit longing uh, for that sickness. I remember uh, a story of um, when I was in third grade, I got put into uh, the hospital. I had asthma, really, really bad as a little kid, right? And so I got put in, into the hospital. I remember like yesterday, right? And one of the things that was happening in the hospital, you know, that when you're a kid, they're kind of giving you some stuff as long as the same time the dietary things that they allow you to have. They give you like some, you know, candy, ice cream, you know, you just make a bundle. Like, yeah, you can have this, it's fine, you know. And that's a little dietary thing, right? Well, you know, I remember my brother coming to the hospital one day and he saw me in the hospital. I'm just like, I'm chilling, I'm eating. He's like, man, he looked at my hand and he was like, you know, just two, maybe two years uh, you know, ahead of me. And he's like, shoot. I want to come to the hospital too. Yeah, so I can get the candy and get the ice cream. Yeah, I can get the candy and the candy. Yeah. But now, uh, 
oftentimes, right, we see the candy and the ice cream and, and the lollipops and you know, everybody kicking you around and, and the cool bed and, and, and all those things at the hospital, right? But we're not seeing the pain and we're not seeing the agony that's also coming with that pathology, right? We're not seeing the lack of identity and the sickness that's coming with that pathology. We're not seeing and being very clear that we don't, as my brother didn't see, man, that is actually costing something to the family for him to be in the hospital, right? We're not seeing the pathology as clear as we need to. And I think that we charge a long for things. Hold up, hold up. How do you how do you hold that mirror in such a way by yourself so that you can see inside that mirror and and point out the distortions as well as be able to give a critique in terms of the distortions that you see? That's a heck of a thing to be able to hold a mirror up to someone else and then look into it yourself. Don't you need some help for that? You, you, you need some help. You, I don't think you can do it by yourself. <laughs> Say more, brother. I, I think you're 100 percent right. I think you have to have you have to you have to do those things in community, right? Like you have to do it in in community so that people can see what it is. Um, I, you know, if 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 there weren't um, people with um, on, on both sides of the conversation, but I just go back to the example of me being in the hospital. If there weren't, you know, right, if there weren't parents there, if there weren't nurses that heard my brother say these things, and then could come and say, no, 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 like that, that's you're seeing a fight that's nice. What you're not seeing is, you know, we're having to, you know, pump in with all this air and oxygen and fluids and things like that. Like you're seeing the, the cool part, you're not seeing the other part. If there weren't people that were surrounding that situation and saying, here's what's actually happening. And here's what's real, and and why did you want this? Why did you want to admire this? Right, right. Why do you want to ask? Right, why do you want to ask? Because somebody writing their names on it. You don't. You, you didn't feel the broke leg part about it. You didn't feel it. You didn't feel it. Right. You didn't. You didn't feel that part. Right. Like you don't. You don't feel what it's like when the toes are dry. You can't. You can't lick. Right. You don't feel that. You don't feel that that discomfort. And I think that's where we, we have to go. But I I think we have to do it in community. I think the other side of doing it in community is um, when we actually look at the pathology and the sickness in the mirror, when we look at the sickness of white supremacy or capitalism or patriarchy in the mirror, and we see it for what it truly is, right? We need a community there because you're going to have to fall back on something in somebody. You're going to have to hold you up. Why is it so difficult for whites? I mean, you know, we did this. I remember we did this book. We, you know, we got this uh, group, Allies Against Racism. They did, you know, they read this um, Robert Angelo book, White Fragility and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it, 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 and it, it just scratched the surface of some of the, the deep, deep kind of stuff. Why is it so hard for whites to focus in on their pathology? Why do you think it's so difficult for them to look look deep into their pathology? Why why can't they see it? I mean, why you know, like you said in the, in the start of the program, you know, um, are white people woke? And if they're woke, why don't they look deep? Deeply into that mirror and make make this. Why can't they see the distortion that, yeah. that re- reflected in the mirror? You think? I, I, I think 
for some of the reasons. I think reason number one is nobody wants to be nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody wants to nobody wants to say I'm messed up. Right? Like that's a hard confession to make, right? Like it's like it, it, you know, for those in the Christian faith, it's like the the, the time you have to confess, like I sinned. Like I sinned. Right, not me, I sin, right? So that's that's hard. That's hard to do, number one. Number two, I think it's hard to look at the collective community that you were birthed from, that you come out of, and look at that community that raised you, that you love, that means so much to you, and you have to look it in the face and say, we are wrong and we are sick. That means mama and daddy were wrong, and some level, Grandma and grandpa who we love so much were wrong in some level. Like we, we have to look at them and, and, and say, Whoa, I got this from y'all. We are sick, right? And the pain of having to do that, most people don't want to grapple with. Most people don't want to grapple with that pain. And I think the last reason, third reason, is 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 quite simple. Um I don't believe that it's on me. I don't think it's uh I, I don't think I have any responsibility for something that I didn't break. I wasn't there when this was when this stuff was put into place. I wasn't sitting at the table. I you know, I wasn't at the Constitutional Congress. Like I didn't get to, you know, frame this or I mean it's 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 you know, the common thing that you hear in the out and about right now is it's not their fault. How are you how are you gonna blame people that never owned slaves for slavery? How are you gonna do this, right? And the general response to that that I give to most people is, is a simple statement. Yeah, it may not be your fault, but that doesn't mean it's not your responsibility. Mm. So, just because <laughs> it's not my fault doesn't mean it's not my responsibility, right? Like, there are tons of times um, that there are things that are happening in the, in the world and in my existence, right? Um, whether it's, you know, maybe somebody that reports to me or, or historians reported to me or, or friends and family and things of that nature. Um, but, like, there are definitely times where it's like, it's not my fault. I didn't do that. I didn't put that in place. But just because I didn't put that in place doesn't mean that it's now not my responsibility. Like, it's definitely my uh, responsibility um, to deal with some things, even though I wasn't the administrator to put them in place. I still got to deal with it. I mean, but that's those are three hard, hard issues, you know, perspectives. How, how realistic... Is it to think that white people are going to take that seriously and address it at that level? Is it is that realistic? I mean, should we assume that they it, we could create an educational model or um, a process by which they would embrace those three perspectives? Is that going back so. I, I think so, but I, I think you we'd have to start it with a clear diagnosis, right? Like you know. Um, it's hard to let a doctor treat you when they say, I, I think it's this. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it's this. We're going to just give you this. Right? You're like, nah, either you know or you don't know. But I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm pretty sure, right? And so I think it starts with a definitive diagnosis. Right? So, like, so, so, so the, the, the lady in New York where the boy was, was doing the bird watching. Mm-hmm. Ain't no doubt in my mind that she was she was acting crazy. She was out of her mind. 
they, 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 you know, they, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, there's some actions that we see whites do and are doing and historically have done. There's no doubt in our mind that, you know, shit, that's crazy. That's sick. You know, that, that, that's a wild and crazy thing that's going on. I mean, the POTUS, some of, the, some of his conversation and some of the, you know, just some of his, you know, just, I mean, just insanity types of stuff. I mean, it, it, the, a reasonable person ought to say, no, nah, that's not healthy behavior. Yeah, I would, I would use the term trained hysteria, though. It's, it's not, why, why, why would we say it's unreasonable behavior if it's being codified and normalized as reasonable? At some level, the, 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 the lady in New York thought that she was acting within reason, within the constructs of her ability and allowance to do such an action, right? Based on her privilege. Based on her privilege? Yeah, based on what her status Yeah. Based on her license? Yeah, 100%. And so she thought that she was acting within her, 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 her right. Right? Isn't that, that what insanity is? Isn't that what insanity is? When you think you're acting reasonable and you're not? Yeah, but it's, that's what I'm saying. It's taught and learned uh, hysteria, insanity. So, I mean. It's systemic, is what you're saying. Right? The question is if you. <laughs> like. You know, in, in, if you're in certain places, who's, who's the one that's off? Who's the one with the with with the health issue, right? Like if it's been normalized in such a way, right? Yeah. We'll say that if it's normalized in such a way, the majority can't be the one that's wrong, right? If everybody's doing it, well, well, then we got a real serious problem here because white supremacy has been around a very long time, very long, very long time, and. It's almost, if not normalized in terms of human behavior, it's seen to be extreme, but it has been accepted into society, so to speak. 100%. That's why, that's why I think the question of this is so important, right? Are you really broke or are you just really just want to get out the house, right? Like, um, you know, is this, is this actually a true awakening really matters because the danger of operating in that catch and release pathology is 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 twofold, right? One of the things, the danger for and I'll speak from a black experience, the danger for black people is that um, we actually think that we have a real ally. No, we don't. No, we don't. And we, we got somebody who's catching and releasing. We got somebody who's catching and releasing and the issue is that is when it's time to, to put your body on the line and we thought we had a real ally but we really don't like when it ends up it ends up the, the it ends up with a black person mispositioning themselves and the damages come right back to our bodies and our our feet at the end of the day. That's that's the first danger. The broken heel falls on our foot. Uh, on our on our time. bare feet. On our bare feet. All the time. And I think the second that, that is dangerous about this uh, reality is that um, when, we, when we think there's a real ally there, but it's really just a catch and release ally, um, we uh, mismeasure the momentum 
of the movement. Wow. And trying to measure the momentum of the movement provides false hope. And when false hope is dashed, when reality comes in, it provides a high level of hopelessness. And with that high level of hopelessness, people turn to things that are uh, more egregious and more uh, than this even in their own right. What happens to a raisin in the sun? Oh yeah. Right. Oh yeah. So, and so those two those two dangers are 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 are, are there. And that's what folks said. Haven't counted the cost of being allies. Haven't counted the cost. The 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 you know claiming that they're woke, claiming that they're allies, right? And then six months from now, we look around. Where 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 where'd you go? Where where are you? Right, and that's the danger, right? Like, so the question I've asked my white brothers and sisters right now, like, I see you signing these things now. You're ready to go now, right? I, I, I need you to count the cost, right? So I don't, I don't need you um, calling me talking about somebody's, um, somebody's Instagram post or how you think this person is racist. I need to call them to their job, this, that, and the third, right? What I need you to do is to count your cost. Right and and do the work to call up to your job and say, hey, our our job, our our company is messed up. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. We're not carrying our weight. Like I need you to do that. I, I don't I don't need you um, to come and uh and and requisition me on on things that aren't healthy and, and aren't are moving uh, things forward. Right. That I need you to count the cost. Once you count the cost, now now I can determine your allyship. For black folks, I need you to quit accepting um, white allyship so readily and so quickly without testing it. Hmm. What's a good test for white allyship? The same number of first and then see if they come back. Hmm. Number, number one thing. I I I, I kid you not. I, and, and people are gonna be like, you shouldn't accept it over those. This might be somebody. Tra-. No, say number first. And then see if it'll come back because that that tells me what type of staying power they're going to have. And, and white white allies that are listening this morning, like I'm going to tell you, if somebody if you go to a black or black person, person come and they say no, you you know you keep your space, right? That that that's not a no, like um, that, that's not always a no, like I don't want you around. That's a no, like let me see if you gonna come back. Let me see how you deal in the face of adversity. Let me see how you deal when you have to deal with disappointment. Let me see how you deal when things are going wrong. Let me see how you deal when your privilege is not accepted in a space because it doesn't maintain the status quo. Let me see what you really are about. And when I tell you no, I'm really checking to see if you're going to come back. See, because if you don't have staying power... See, I only need to align myself with you because guess what? While you're an ally when it suits your needs, I am black 24-7-365. I can't catch a release. I can't catch a release. My goodness. You're listening to WVOP 103.1 FM Dial. This is Morning Black. And we're talking some provocative kinds of things about uh, white people. Are you woke? Or did you just want a reason to get out of the house? You know, some ideas about pathology and social pathology and, and how we need to build stronger allyship. 
and a stronger relationship in addressing some of these kinds of concerns. So, so my question, what do you mean, Chess? I mean, you've been, you've been in the, you've been in the thing long, longer than me. Like, how, how, how do you test and, and check if people have, have the heart for the work or not? Well, I look for the nuances. You know, I look at, I look for, I look for the nuances. I want to see. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I, th- I think the no is important. I think you know you need to have staying power. You need to, you need to be able to understand how to be ruthless, and you need to understand how to not have answers to questions. I look to, I look to, to see whether or not people come to meetings and say, well. Okay, what can we do together? How do we work together? And listen to each other's ideas as opposed to coming in with the blueprint all the time. You know, uh, that, that's a that's a first signal to me. If people show up with the blueprints all the time, and say, "Well, damn, you know, you you don't want my idea. You 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 already have your ideas. You want my okay on the idea that you already have." Okay, so um, I, I I really resonate, and I think you're a, a spot on in terms of that 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 notion of saying, "Let's see where your stand power is." The other thing I do is um, I'm very cautious about how people um, do double speak. You know, and what I mean by that is that you know, uh, while I'm in the room, you know, it's all allyship, but as soon as somebody else comes in the room, the, the atmosphere, the environment changes. I watch that very closely. I watch tactical stuff uh, more than strategic stuff, if you will, because that is more valuable to me in terms of how I need to be able to navigate my space. Um, because strategies come a dime a dozen. But when people, when, when the guy shows up with the gun, I want to know who's going to do what. Right, so it's kind of like we the, the foxhole conversation where you know, okay, you you can talk about how good a soldier you are before battle, but when you're in the foxhole with somebody, then you get a real sense of whether not that individual is going to do what they claim they're going to do or not. So I kind of I, I I closely scrutinize that, and I'm and I'm probably a bit standoffish in terms of friendships. I'm not I'm not big on. Um, socializing per se and even socialization uh seems to me to be a tactical ruse if you will I, you know I, I think a lot of that is is a is a is a part of that methodology of reinforcing that privilege reinforcing you know that that catch and release kind of mentality so i'm very wary of that um and so it takes it, it's, it's taken me long i have actually been observing for over 25 years <laughs> so, 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 you know, I, you know, if it didn't, if nothing else, it's, it's a patient observation, social observation of how people move through various stages and then give insight and in, in, where I can and education where I can on the process. But the whole, is, uh, I was listening to a civil rights uh, icon the other day and one of the things she said, yeah, you got to protest. But then there's a political side to this. And she says it's a triple P. The, the third P is persistence. How long are you willing to go? Because you, you, you can march for a day. And at the end of the day, go get some ice cream and shit. And, and nothing changes. You know, you, you're going to have to have persistence. You're going to also have to, you're going to have to be political. You're going to have to step out in front and do some things in order to make the kind of changes that you're seeking. So, you know, I look for all of that. Yeah. No, I, I think 100%. I, I, I think that's really wise. I appreciate that. Because you said some things, I'm like, okay, I need to 
I can add that into the, into my into my analysis, you know, of, of things because I'm yeah, I, I, I've always been looking for some folks to help me carry the mirror. That's the biggest. That to me, that's been the biggest problem inside the African American community. Do, do we have how many people do we have that are willing, really willing to help hold that mirror up? And then look at themselves in that mirror as well, because sometimes white people will distort in a way that make white people distort like them. They start, you know, in other words, we want to look like them, you know, you know so, so we got to take a glance in the mirror ourselves and say, you know, how, you know, how is this process changing me? You know, how is, how is racism and systemic racism living in Valparaiso as opposed to living on 59th Street? You know, how has that altered? How I see the world, how I see myself, how I, how I understand the world, how I understand myself, how I understand my community. You know, no, uh, I think that's a huge question, right? Because you need different tools to operate in Valparaiso than you need on Fifty Nine, right? Like you need you, you know, like you know, I say on Cliff, you know, like you need you need different rules to operate in the ski than you do it on Cliff in my folks in Texas, right? Like you need some different rules and some different tools and skills to navigate in those spaces, right? And, 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 and I wear, and I wear those tools. I mean, and I wear them, right? Because I think the, the truth of the matter is we get into some spaces where um, the tools you use in, you know, a majority black neighborhood won't be the tools that will get you ahead and get you where you need to be and get you codified in a majority white neighborhood, but the tools from the black neighborhood are the ones that end up being celebrated in the white neighborhoods, right? And so because they get celebrated, um, we start to think that that's what you need to have versus, no, I need the other tools that get me codified and get me positioned and get me formulated in this space. Yeah, I mean, just being able to, to, to sort that out and to have a, a community of people to help you sort that out is essential. One of, one of the things that I was very encouraged by in, in some of our meetings that we've been in is, is the, the whole notion of, well, we need to be together because being together is going to make us healthier. It's going to make us be able to perceive and understand and be able to weigh with more clarity the kinds of adjustments we need to make in dealing with the systemic issue. And and nobody understands that but those of us who are under the weight of that systemic oppression, that systemic kind of brokenness, that systemic uh, uh, um, uh, pathology that we all see, we all might deal with it differently. I mean, you coming from a Texas perspective, I'm coming from a Chicago and then Valparaiso perspective, we all bring a different lens to that, but we need each other so that we can understand how to navigate right. this state as healthy as possible. Right. How do we, how do we, what's the future of this pathology? What's the future of this pathology that we see in our white brothers and sisters? I I think I think King had it, you know, Doctor King had it spot on. As chaos or community, um, you know, where do we go from here? Chaos or community? I think the pathology is simple. It's like any other any other sickness, anything else that's found um, at the the blood level of uh, 
uh, a human being. Like, if it's at the blood level, that means it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Right? And uh, it's not until you can treat the blood that you have the opportunity to eradicate from everything else. And my fear is that we, we prefer surface level treatment for blood level trauma and we think that that's going to be sufficient, right? I can't just put makeup on that situation. And so I think the pathology is going to continue to grow and metastasizing the souls and minds of America until it is uh, appropriately treated out, surgically cut, cut off, and then the treatment is done for the blood. Because right. we, we cut it out at a certain point. If we can cut it out, you know, we, we know how to cut it out, but we'll cut, it, we'll cut racism out in certain places, but, but we don't ever treat the blood. <laughs> we don't ever treat the blood. And until we treat the blood, white supremacy is in the blood. 100%. Is it not? It's in the blood. It'll always disease the blood. And it, 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 from time to time, will need quarantine and some type of therapy and reconstruction. But ultimately, what's going to have to take place is there's going to have to be a transfusion, is it not? Mm-hmm. And my question, is, my, my question is, how does one create a structure, an infrastructure that... Um, can be available for whites who are, who at least acknowledge they're under this pathology that they can get a transfusion and and and, and be deconstructed and reconstructed in a more healthy manner. Well, you know, is that too too much? I just I, I mean it's not. It's, it's, I don't think it's too much. I think there, there are spaces where it can be done, right? I think you're spot on. It has to be done in the community. Um, it has to be done by surrounding uh, folks to provide the correct quarantine from the uh, sickness that is the day out, day in and out, reality, live reality. But I think, you know, I, I think there are spaces. I think there are people that are willing to do it. There are people that are willing to be in that level of deep community. With folks, right? There are people that believe at their core that, that if we shift the hearts and minds, uh, we'll, we'll have a chance at it, right? And uh, I think those folks have not just physical facilities, but the uh, mental facility to host and hold uh, somebody in to provide that opportunity. Yeah, but you can go crazy when you do it now. You know, I mean, you know, it's like when you, no, no, you know, you know, you know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're going to lose you. Know, white people from what? Yeah, if you withdraw white people from white supremacy. Right. I think the issue is, <laughs> and I go back to uh, something that's, that's said, if somebody really wants to get this done, right? Like, I mean, just like with anything else, right? It can't. My wife spent, you know, two months in, in Kenya, and the difference between uh, the, Kenya, the Kenyan medical system and, and the medical system here is like here, you know, we believe really high in this, like, we'll bill you later uh, type uh, insurance type follow-up, right? Like, we'll bill insurance and we'll bill you the rest, you know, type mentality. But in Kenya, they're like, no, 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 no. You need a blood test? Great. That blood test costs this much. You need to go down to the birds or pay your bill, then we'll come back and do the blood test. 
and you like okay or whatever, right? And so I think you know, part of what we gotta do is we gotta take that mentality, right? So people that have this care, like, you know, we need to resource it up front. So that people do have the facility to do this. So they do have the facility um and walk them outside you, right? Like, you need you need to pay your bill up front. Like you 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 need to pay what you owe. Um, you know, because the, the truth of the matter is <laughs> we're gonna lose some people along the way, right? Like, there's not a science in the world that's hundred percent. We're gonna lose some people along the way. But the deal is the buildings need to be paid up front because the, the, the danger that we'll get into is we get into this this interesting, you know, back and forth and you'll you know, some people are catching releases so they're gonna run away and now we extended the people who care and do this work have extended themselves so far and they have nothing to show for it and very little facility to go on to the next person because now they're struggling in the survival mode to keep uh, things going. So I think there are people that can do this work that are willing to walk alongside people that want to change their hearts and minds that say they want to change it. But we just need to start building up front. Yep, yep. Well, how much time do we have left, Byron, to have this conversation? About 10, 10 minutes. All right. Well, we want to, we want to talk about what this model is going to look like. You know, um, if we're building this model, what, does this model begin with a financial base? Do we need to begin with a financial base to be able to have the strength to hold the mirror up? I think we... Do we hold the mirror up before we have enough facility... Um, so that, you know, once people see what they really are and they go crazy, we can strap them down and feed them some cool juice until they get, they get better or whatever we need to do. I mean, how, how do we begin? What starts, what, what starts us on our journey? Well, I'm, I'm coming more and more around to the effect of concepts that this journey actually doesn't need to start with the financial base. It actually needs to start with, a Funded spiritual base. Uh, a, a, a funded spiritual base. Because um, anytime you're going to start talking about hearts and minds, that means you're going to the spirit level, which means that um, I'm, I'm surprised at how many people believe that we need to change the hearts and minds of, of, of white folks and, and even some black folks. They want to change hearts and minds, but they don't want to do it from a spiritual stance or a spiritual level. Like I, I'm, I'm at a loss of how you're going to change anybody's hearts and minds when you're not you're going to the spiritual level, right? And so I think uh, it has to be a funded spiritual base, right? Like, yes, we need to be paying some people to think deeply and to pray and to equip themselves to be pastoral, to walk alongside folks that want to get out of the sickness. We need to, create, we need to be funding and giving people uh, the ability to connect in and walk alongside people, right? Like that, like I, I, while I'm in this community, I, I, I shouldn't have to bear the burden that you created for yourself and for me too, uh, all by myself without anything to show for it, right? And I think part of that is giving people some tools to say, nope, I need to, you know, here, here's what I got. I need to do this every single day. Here's my regimen, and here's what I'm willing to, to pay for it. Here's what I'm willing to put out and to resource it in an effective way. Now, because I, I, I know when people hear pay, they're like, no, no more money, no more position. I, I don't think it's all resourcing is about putting a check in people's pockets, even though that's important. You know, that's very important. I think 
part of that resourcing also has to be, um, to some extent, redistributing where things go and who has control over the the, the purse, right? who has control over the, 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 the pocket and that stuff. The only thing that, uh, I'm, I'm going to push back here a little, I want you to kind of you know, address it. The average, the so-called ally, you know, um, shuns and even resists talking about levels, fundamental levels of spirituality. That's something that folks, it appears that is part of this catch and release model that folks have. This is, this is when people kind of get out the room, so to speak. When you start saying, well, no, it's something that is in air in your spirit. In other words, you ain't right. There's something there's something imbalanced or, you know, un- inequitable or, 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 or missing out of how you understand the world to be. And and let's work on that together. You know, a lot of people hit the door on that. I mean, you know, especially a lot of white folks. I mean, you know, so so um whereby I agree with you it seems that the pathology is going to be an impediment to be able to address that particular concern. The pathology itself is going to resist that. Because because if there's something greater than white supremacy, then you have to question the greatness of white supremacy. Well, and, and that's, but that's, I think that's exactly the reason that uh, you have to get uh, some level of spiritual funding, a funded spiritual base for for this, because there has to be something that we appeal to greater than the constructs of something that was built off of white supremacy, right? Like so, we got to get to the greater thing. Well, I mean, a classic example is the present situation that we see happening locally at our university, which basically is 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 a reflection of the inability for people to let go of white supremacy in a way in which they can become fully responsive to the needs of the individuals who are part of the institution. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think that, I think that's, is that, is, is that not, um, the outcomes of, of white supremacy? I think it is. I think it is. I think that that's the that's the ultimate uh, outcome and and climax of the behaviors. White supremacy will always be a disease that will need quarantine. Thus, whites will always need some type of therapy and reconstruction. There, we're always and and when we're not talking about that, we're not really doing anything. And. And the other con- concern I have is that we're bringing, as opposed to holding the mirror up, we're bringing other people into a situation that we know is pathological. Right. And that's a problematic. Well, and it's because we don't know what else to do. Now, I, I'll say this, like, I, you know, I always ask people, you know, and, and really, it's like a basic thera- therapeutic concept, right? If I take this thing out of your out of the space, out of the space where it needs to be filled, and I take it out, what am I replacing it with? And that's that's the question, right? Like, so, 
So what would you replace white supremacy with in the American context? Are you asking me? Yeah. <laughs> Reckless love and faith. Mm. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah. You understand what I'm as a policy we, we, we have to we have to be willing to to be uh, intentional about community. We would have to be intentional about uh, transfer, trans, transferring and receiving information. We would we would have to be intentional about um, addressing disparity and dealing with issues like wealth transfer. You know, as a community, we would have to have that conversation. Yeah. You know, yeah. we we would have to be intentional about detoxing. You know, from from a society that historically has broken us. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, I mean, straight up, you really have to take fanatical love, right? Fanatical, crazy, like crazy, uh, yeah, love. It just it just moves us past ourselves, and I think that's the. I think if we can't start with that base. We're, we're, we're not going to be able to feel anything else in there. We can take out white supremacy all they want, but if we don't replace it with something, then people just revert back to it. Right. Right? Um, even folks that were enslaved by it will start to learn for it if we don't replace it with something. We see that in the story of the children of Israel, right? They, they coming out of Egypt and they say, hey, we, we could have stayed there and, and been, been hungry. We were still empty, and so we need something to fill us, right? And and that's where you gotta. I mean, to some extent, we gotta put something in this place. So the question is, if it's gonna be fanatical love, that means we have to redefine what our contemporary our definitions of love are, so that it is a feeling love and not a transactional version of love. Absolutely, absolutely. You can't you can't love what you don't understand, and, and, and you can't respect. You know, if, if, if you can't you can't respect what you don't love, and you can't have love for stuff that you don't understand. You got there's got to be an opportunity for you to build an understanding so that you can build the respect to construct the love that you need to have for the long haul. Hundred percent. You know. So I guess the basis of the foundation that you're talking about is an ethical, a moral foundation. Is that what you're I think it has to be a moral foundation. I, I, without going into the philosophy of the difference between ethics and morals, I think it has to be a moral foundation. It has to be a foundation that is set um, in such a way that it allows uh, a spread to exist on it, a swath of, of different things, right? Because love demonstrates itself. Pure love, reckless love, fanatical love demonstrates itself in consistently different behaviors and different styles, right? Like, like you, I, can, I, I, I you know, how I know you love me is different than how I know somebody else loves me, right? And I have to have a broad enough foundation to be able to notice, analyze, and accept all of it, right? And for it to exist together inside the foundation of just holding up what, what we have. And so I 
think, um, you know, it has to be broad enough and accepting enough where we can say we don't need to catch a release inside of our actions. We can catch, and the hope is to catch and keep, right? The hope is to have this love catch on like wildfire and keep it. Um, and I think that love starts at the basic willingness to accept humanity and everybody's humanity as being valuable and important and, and something with and something that needs to be kept. Um, and I think when we start to do that, we'll actually have some something growing for ourselves. Well, I think you're talking about life work. You know, and I think about good brothers like yourself who are getting PhDs. And, you know, I often ask myself, so well, what'd you get a PhD for? What do you want to do? Do you want to get the PhD so you can publish like everybody else, so that you can have a better name like everybody else, so that you can do the same things or study your interests like everybody else does? What What does the, that PhD propel you into? And then when I, but when I hear you have conversations like we've had today, it is is very clear to me that that PhD is simply fuel for your persistence for the change that is needed inside the the community in terms of making community healthy. You know, so so the PhD basically is the fuel, you know, and resource that you committed to in order to do life work. You know, life work. It's not it's not it's not a, a 20 year stint. It's not a 10 year stint and then making a change. It's a life work. It's a, it's a work we live and more than likely will be died doing, you know, uh, with the understanding that there will be some legacy that will be projected into the future that will be, give a healthier understanding and, and hopeful opportunity to our community. Well, this has been some interesting stuff, Byron. We have to continue to have a, a conversation around this. We, we need to get clearer on this road, on this on this structure of what this this, this ethical and moral foundation, as you would say, begins to look like, and then how we begin to put together some components by seeing how we can get this thing rolling. What do you think? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, I, I think we need to have more conversations, just even probably surrounding allyship. And what does that truly mean? Because uh, we could go some more time on that. Um, I guess as we end it, I would say this. Um, whatever you don't do with people, you do to people. And so if you're not doing it with the community, you're doing it to the community. And anytime you're doing something to somebody, it has an impetus of violence connected to it. Wow. And violence is trauma. And so what I would say is that you know, to those that think that you're allies, just remember, allyship has to be done with uh, that community, not to that community or for, quote-unquote, that community, which means that, and this is the truth, you know, the only way uh, you can be allies are two people, two sets of individuals have to agree that you're an ally. What do I mean by that? Not only do you have to see yourself being allied with that community, but that community has to see that you and agree that you're allied with them. That's very, very, very profound, my brother. Well, we'll continue to have these conversations until next time. I would ask you to continue to dial in to WVLP 103.1 FM dial as we listen to and continue to deal with provocative subjects on Men in Black, Building Leaders, and Cultural Knowledge. Until next time.
and we will say, we will say, my God.